Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Patrick. Thank you, Jeff. You can always count on Jeff. It's good to see everybody this morning. Welcome to Lindsay Lane East. Welcome to our friends joining us via live stream. Let's all stand to our feet as we prepare our hearts to uh, to hear from the Lord um, through our last our last installment of our Sunday School Sermon Series, which is a whole lot of alliteration with the letter S. So uh, let's all stand to our feet and worship together. Here we go. Oh, 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 Lord, oh, 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 Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. We behold the rising sun, the earth away. 
song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever say. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe.
Oh 
Let's pray together. Gracious Father, we're so thankful for who you are and what you've done for us through Jesus Christ. God, help us to remember that as we as we walk day to day. That we're not in this alone, but that we have an advocate. We have Jesus. gave us the church so that we can walk together as a one another arm in arm fighting this battle together Father we just want to pray for this message that you would speak through God use him to speak your truth to us today Father we love you we praise you Awesome first service. Uh, just to let you guys know, uh, man, we had uh, two more of our senior adult ladies come back for the first time this morning. We were so pumped to see them. And uh, as, as folks just continue uh, to come back and worship with us, it's always really, really cool to see them. Uh, I haven't seen uh, folks that are faithful members of this church. I haven't seen them since last uh, March. <laughs> and so it's really cool uh, to get to make contact with some of those folks this morning. Hey, if this is your first time worshiping with us, we are pumped that you're here. Uh, if you're new, we actually uh, have a gift that we would love to give you today. Um, in the lobby of our church at what we call our Next Steps area, we've got a gift. Uh, we'd love to give you a Lindsay Lane East t-shirt and just some information about our church. And so the easiest way to get that is to take the card from the back of the seat in front of you, fill it out with as much info as you feel comfortable with, stop by Next Steps on your way out and, and give them that card and they'll um, they'll give you that free gift. So... This morning, we're finishing up our study called Summer School, and, and all God's people said, amen, praise God, he's almost done, right? Um, no, we've been going through all summer, we've been studying through uh, this thing called Summer School, and um, uh, we've traveled through the book of Ephesians, looking at the top eight themes um, that, uh, that we see in the book of Ephesians, kind of theological ideas, and so today is number eight. And so today we finish up this study. Um, we've traveled through the whole book. And so at the end of Paul's letter to the Ephesians, he wraps up this incredible talk uh, with a passage that if you've been around church a lot, you may be familiar with. He describes the Christian as a soldier, a soldier who's in a battle. And then he takes each kind of piece of, uh, of the soldier's armor and talks about how, what that looks like in the Christian walk. Um, so we're going to be walking through that today. Um, what I want to be focusing on, the majority of my attention on, is what I believe Paul's main focus is, is not so much the armor, but the enemy. And so uh, today, um, we are going to talk about this fight, but it's not really a fight if there's no enemy, right? And so today, we're going we're gonna to begin, uh, I believe there's a real battle going on as we try to live this life for Christ, and I think we need to make sure that we don't deny that, because um, um, I think it would be a foolish mistake. So I'm going to read... Verses 10 through 13 of Ephesians chapter 6. And then uh, I'm going to pray. And then we'll start looking at this thing together. Verse 10. Finally, be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. Put on the full armor of God so you can stand against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil 
spiritual forces in the heavens. For this reason, take up the full armor of God, so that you may be able to resist in the evil day, and having prepared everything, to take your stand. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you, God, um, that uh, though uh, the Christian life you've called us to, God, is one uh, that is an intense battle, as we're going to see today, God, uh, you've, not left us, you've not left us alone in that battle. And so, Father, today as we look at this word, um, at your word, God, I pray that you'd help us to understand it. God, give us clarity of mind to, to see the truths that are found in this passage. And God, uh, may we leave here different than when we came in. We, uh, we pray that today you would teach us to know you and that you would be with us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so for note takers, that's point number one. I've already kind of alluded to it, but we have a real enemy. We have a real enemy. Now, I'm going to be transparent in a few ways today. Okay, I'm going to be straight with you. Okay. As a child and even today, I struggle with the idea that some people don't like me. Okay? I know some of you are like, I don't care what you think about me. That, that's your own issue. Okay, that's that's an issue too. Okay? But for me, I'm on the other side. My natural tendency is, to, is like, uh, I don't want anybody to not like me. But I know in this world that there are, right? But what we've got to recognize, uh, you can call it people-pleasing or whatever, but I, I, Paul says that there's not just someone who doesn't like you. That's not what the text says. But Paul said, Paul's comment is that there is someone who wants to destroy you. That's the, that's, the, that's the truth that we see all through Scripture. And Paul says in verse 11, Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. The word schemes just means methods and, and tactics. Uh, but he calls this being that wants us to fall the devil. Right? Which it's, just a, it's a Greek word that means slanderer. Right? So slander meaning uh, something that usually false, something false that's said with the intention of destroying another person. And when you, that's what we see uh, our enemy doing all throughout Scripture. When you look back at Genesis chapter 3, the first time we see the enemy Satan coming into the picture. In Genesis 3, we see him twisting God's word, causing man and woman to question God's love for them and also to question one another. And here's the deal. If you've walked with God long, you know this. He's good at it. <laughs> He's good at it. When you look at your face in the mirror and the first thing you think is about all the things that are wrong with you, that's him whispering in your ear. When you think about all the things you wish you could be and all those character traits and personalities that your friends have that you wish you had, wish I was bigger, stronger, faster, Nobody at my age wants to be faster, I guess. That was a weird one to throw in. Um, more beautiful, right? More handsome, whatever. That is the devil. Just as he did to Eve, he's whispering slander into your ear, trying to cause you to doubt what God has already spoken into you. And that is what David revealed about his own view of God in Psalm 139. This used to hang above my children's bed. I will praise you because I have been remarkably and wondrously made. Right? That's what Satan is fighting against. And when we buy into the slander that he's whispering into our ear, we're making the same mistake that Adam and Eve made in the garden. But if you've also walked with Jesus a long time, you know that Satan don't work alone. 
Satan don't work alone. He doesn't. Since the time in the garden, Satan actually uses other human beings, and sometimes me, to spread his slander throughout the world, to destroy the walk of other believers. If you've ever said an unkind word to someone, if you've ever spoken something to someone trying to hurt them, guess who you were acting on behalf of in that moment? Not the Savior, but the slanderer, right? If you remember back to our previous conversations in this study, you remember you may remember that devil uh, Paul used another name. He used the the ruler of the power of the air. Um, we see this in Ephesians chapter two, verse two. Paul says there's a particular way in which you previously walked. He's talking to believers. You previously walked according to the ways of this world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit now working in the disobedient. Do you see this? This, what this means is that there are hosts of people getting up in the morning, looking at their to-do list and going, okay, i got to do this, 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 and this. And they think they're organizing their day. They think they're making their own plans. But what Paul says is that the prince of the power of the air is actually the one calling the shots. He's the one who's orchestrating their day. They're walking according to the will of the devil. And oftentimes these people are being used to spread that slander into the lives of others. The early Christians would have known this more than anybody. Now listen, you may be asked by your company to not include that Bible verse in your signature on your emails. You may have a coworker in the break room who laughs at you when you invite somebody to a church event. In the first century, they are being killed for the thing that you're being asked not to include a Bible verse in your email. They're being brutally persecuted. They're being run out of town after town, city after city, because of the stance they took for Christ. They're being arrested. The leaders of the Roman Empire, by the first cent, by the time Jesus' followers are, are growing the church, the Roman Empire was viewed as the enemy by a lot of them. And when you look back at the Old Testament, it's Babylon, right? Like there's this idea that Babylon is, is the anti-Israel. It's, Babylon is the, the place in which all evil and all things not godly, that's, that's what Babylon represents. Well, for a lot of the first century believers, that's the way they talked of Rome. You see that even in the writing that, that uh, they call they refer to Rome as, as a new Babylon. And so the leaders of the Roman Empire and so many other people are being viewed by believers as workers of, of satanic work, slander in the world. But Paul says this in verse 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. And to the first century believers in Ephesus, they're going, hold up. What? Our fight is not against flesh and blood. Hey, tell me that when my buddy wasn't put to death yesterday for sharing Jesus. Right? Don't, don't, don't tell me our battle's not against flesh and blood when we're seeing persecution day in and day out. And it's not happening because some creepy little red demon cartoon figure showed up. Right? It's my neighbor who hates me. It's this empire who's putting us to death. Paul says, when we hear it in the context of the first century, Paul's saying, I know you're being persecuted by your own families. 
I know you're being persecuted by local leaders in the community. I know you're being persecuted by the Jewish leaders and, and the Romans. Paul says our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Note takers, our enemy is not other humans. But that's exactly how it must have felt for these early believers. And I'm just going to tell you, if there's one half of a verse that Christians understand less today, I believe it's that one. When you look around the Christian sphere today, do you see us battling our true enemy more or other people? Open-ended question. Other people. Thank you for participating. I believe so. Man, we are, we're, we're, I see Christians arguing and fighting with other humans more than I do recognizing who our real enemy is, and I can be guilty of that as well. We begin to think that, that it's the people across the political aisle from us. They're the problem. If we can get rid of them, God's kingdom's going to come. <clears throat> right? It's not, that's not going to fix it. It's not going to fix it. We begin to argue with, with we begin to think that the people that are sinning in our world, the people that, that sin in ways that we just look at and go, man, that's bad. They become the enemy. Church, we act as if our voting ballot and lawsuits and condemnation looking down our noses at other people is the way in which God has ordained that we fight this battle. In church, I'm telling you, it's wrong. We look more like the slanderer in those moments than we do our Savior. Next thing Paul does, I believe, is he describes this real enemy's work. The list can be confusing, but I've studied a lot this week, and I want to share with you what I've learned. Um, it'll get a little nerdy, but hang in there, okay? Verse 12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Paul's ruling that out. It's not against the state. It's not against your neighbors. It's not against anybody else. It's against the rulers, the authorities, cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil spiritual forces in the heavens. What we began to do is just study each one of those. There's five things that Paul mentions. Depends on how you break it down, but the way I looked at it, it was five different things. And each one of those words has a very unique meaning. The first thing Paul says is he uses the word rulers. Right? The word that's actually used there in the Greek is, when it's translated in English, it can often be translated as beginning or source. That's the idea that it carries. Not just a ruler, but the, the source. This word, I believe, points to the fact that our enemy is not a new one. As you go through difficulties in your life, the one thing Satan wants to slander, he, the, the, the slander he pours into your ear is that you're the only one that struggles with this. Those of you that may struggle with, uh, with those, those secret sins like pornography, the thing that Satan wants to convince you of is that you're the only one that struggles with it. Keep it secret. Don't you dare tell anybody. Because then he's got you right where he wants you. What we need to recognize is that not only do we have this church of people who, who are struggling with the same things, we're all in the same boat, we've got thousands of years of human history of God's people battling this same enemy. 
It's the same thing. We need to recognize that Satan has been at work from the very beginning and we've been battling him as God's people from the very beginning. Take heart in that. Take, take a, uh, find a rest in the fact that you're not alone. The second word Paul uses, authorities. In other ways, it's translated as power. Where it reminds us that this long-standing enemy of ours is actually very, very powerful. I think one of the biggest mistakes that we can make as believers is to downplay the work of Satan in our lives. I believe it's really, really dangerous. Um, we see throughout the Bible Satan tearing down great men and women of God. We need to honestly recognize that he is good at what he does and that he will attack us with slander and temptation. And we need, to, we need to acknowledge his power, I believe. But hang on. The third term. Cosmic powers of this darkness. Now, what you may not realize is Paul does what a lot of preachers do. He invents words. Okay, uh, I had a pastor growing up. He made up a lot of words. There, there's actually a guy at his church who's putting together a book so that when he retires, they've got a dictionary of all the words that he made up over the years. Um, it'd be really funny. But Paul actually did this too. Paul would take two words and he would slam them together to prove a point. And this is what he does here. When he says cosmic powers, what he's doing is he's using a compound word that's only used one time in the whole New Testament, and it's right here. And scholars believe what he meant was a world ruler. A world ruler. Which again, you might think Rome, but Paul just said our fight is not against flesh and blood. So clearly it seems to be saying the same enemy that we face here in North Alabama as believers is the same enemy that Christians who are being put to death for their faith in Muslim countries in the Middle East are facing. The, the persecution may be more dangerous there, but our enemy is the same. A world ruler, the prince of the power of the air, the next term used is evil, referring to the moral quality of our enemy. You may think that your boss is evil. <laughs> you may think that you got a cousin who's just wicked, just a terrible, the worst of the worst. No, no, no. Hear me. Satan is evil in a way that we don't experience in flesh and blood. The Bible cast him as the total opposite of God's holiness and righteousness. We don't acknowledge that if we're to battle. He's not just kind of bad like your neighbor. He's not just a little confused like your nephew. He is evil. He wants you to fall. The last term that's used is spiritual forces in the heavens. And this circles back, I, I believe, to the conversation about flesh and blood. What you need to realize, I, we may never look, I pray, <laughs> I never look into the eyes of, of the devil, right, of Satan. But you need to know he's real. He's a spiritual being, but he is real. These five terms... I believe that Paul uses help us get an idea of what kind of enemy we really face and that he should be taken seriously. He is a big deal. 
And this enemy is scheming, Paul says, to take you down. And I just, uh, let me tell you, he's more powerful than you are. My second year of college, I was in a speech class. I had to write a speech. It was an informative speech or something. I don't know. For some reason, I chose to, to do a speech on Mike Tyson. I don't know. I'm not even a boxing fan. I have no idea why I did it. But I remember studying about this guy, Mike Tyson. So Mike Tyson came to his, came to his, his peak of his career early on, right? He's 18 years old. 18 and 19 years old, and he's got the longest KO running record. Not just wins, KOs. Some, a lot of them first-round knockouts. He's 18, 19 years old. Nobody's seen anybody punch like Mike Tyson. And I remember, I remember studying and looking at all these facts. Of course, I was a young kid when, when he came to his prominence, but I remember thinking, could not. There's a Christian man who's actually done a, a book called uh, Facing Tyson, something like that. You have to look it up. Ted Kluck's his name. And he actually goes and interviews these guys who fought against Tyson at the peak of his career. And what's funny, there's some videos and stuff you can watch online too. These guys tried everything in their power to convince the world that they were going to win. <laughs> like they've got interviews leading up to the week, and they're like, man, I'm going to knock him out. I'm gonna... But you know deep down, you know deep down, it's just a matter of time. Like you don't think you're going to win. It's, can I make it the second round? <laughs> can I not go into hospital after this fight? These men were stepping into the ring with someone who knew, they knew they had no power to defeat. I can't think of a better analogy without talking about the Alabama Crimson Tide, and that would just be weird. For, okay. <laughs> As an Auburn fan, it's tough. Okay. But, like, that's, that's what you and I face. Like, you need to recognize that every day when you wake up, you're stepping into a ring, you're stepping on the battlefield with an enemy that's bigger than you in every single way, and he'll whoop you every single day. Nine, ten times out of ten, you're, at, you're out. Every single day. I believe we should be intimidated in our flesh at our enemy. But the good news about this fight is that Paul doesn't just say we have an enemy. He actually says it's not just you versus him. It's not just you versus him and the people that he uses. He says that there's that we actually can win this fight. Note takers, that's point number three. As Paul paints this daunting image of our enemy, he's I believe he is fully trying to make the point that we ain't got nothing on him. So that when he says in verse 10 that it stands out. Verse 10, finally. Be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. Paul says that if we are to stand in this fight against the devil, we must be strengthened by the Lord. This is not a new idea. Paul didn't come up with this. This is echoed all the way back to the Old Testament. David was said to have been strengthened by the Lord in 1 Samuel chapter 30 for the fight. The Lord himself said Israel would be strengthened by him in, Zechariah, in the book of Zechariah. God has always had a desire for his people to come to him to find strength when they felt overwhelmed. 
And I can remember being a kid and finding myself in overwhelming situations. There's nothing I wanted more in those moments is to find some source of strength. Right? It was oftentimes found in my parents. Right? You get in an overwhelming situation, you're scared to death. Go to mom and dad. Get a hug. Right? So I know some of y'all had different family growing, different family situations. But you still wanted to find that strength somewhere. I can remember when Kelly went, uh, just a few years ago, Kelly went through some, some rough health stuff, my wife. Uh, we were in the hospital. Um, one particular day was extra rough. And I can remember, um, I can remember feeling very overwhelmed. And I can remember the moment that my mom and dad got to the hospital. And the first thing I wanted to do was run into my dad's arms. And I did. Now, what I realized in that moment is dad couldn't do nothing. <laughs> you know what I mean? It felt good for a second. And then, I, then, then dad looked at me and said, what do we do? I said, I don't know. <laughs> you know? Because in that moment, you know, it, it felt like strength. But what I really know, the only thing that got me through those difficult days in the hospital and what got Kelly through those difficult days was my relationship with Christ, where my strength really came from. And the fight that we're talking about here is not a health fight, right? It's not a physical fight. It is a spiritual one. The daily fight against Satan is one of much more epic consequences than bad health. Because as much as I love my dad, a hug from him won't help me fight against Satan today. I need a greater strength. And the Bible says that we can find strength in the Lord because of his vast strength. And here's what's really cool about other languages. They do funny things. Like this is actually not in, in the Greek, like when you look at vast strength, like the two words that are used there, it's actually strength, strength. Okay? It's two different words, but it's strength, strength. So why do we go to God to find strength? Because he has strength, strength. Or strength might, right? It's, and that's why it gets translated as vast strength, because that's what the author, that's what Paul was trying to say is, we can not, God doesn't just have strength, he has strength, strength. He's got strength to give, baby. And we can come to him and find that strength. Paul says it twice where we find it. He says we need to put on the armor of God. In verse 11, put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. And then in verse 11 and 12, after talking about how difficult the enemy we face is, verse 13, he says, For this reason, because we face a scary, intimidating enemy, take up the full armor of God. So Paul uses this analogy of armor to drive home how we can find rest and strength in God. And, but it's echoed from the Old Testament. Again, it's not a new idea. Paul's borrowing from David again. Psalm 18, verse 39. David said, you have clothed me with strength for battle. Paul's borrowing language from King David many, many, many years before he's writing. And Paul says... I believe Paul clearly sees the strength that David received from the Lord as available to you and me today. If you trusted in Jesus as Savior, this strength is available for you. 
verses 14 through 17, he describes that armor. And it could be a sermon in itself or a sermon series. But I just want to walk quickly through these six things, um, six pieces of armor that we could center our things around. The first thing Paul says is truth. This goes directly against the name of our enemy. What's the name of the enemy? The slanderer. The one who spreads false lies. However, what God says is that we must be about truth. We're to hold to truth instead of buying into the lies. Then he talks about righteousness. And it don't take long in your life to realize that you ain't righteous. I don't even have to get to know you. First time you walked in here, I let you just say, man, yeah, that dude ain't righteous. That girl ain't righteous. Because we all, none of us are. We all fall short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23. None of us are righteous, no, not one. That's in Romans 2, somewhere. And in the Old Testament, right? <clears throat> we know that we are not righteous, but listen, we know the one who is righteous. And that was Jesus. Paul helps us see in his other letters, like Romans, if we have believed on Jesus, the perfect one who lived the life that we couldn't, that his righteousness will be given to us, though we don't deserve it. This is what salvation is. Uh, theologians call it the great exchange, which sounds fan really fancy. You know? But whenever you trusted in Jesus, you were not righteous. But what God did is he took the righteousness of Christ and he gave it to you. So that now when God looks at me, he sees his righteous son and I can be in the presence of God. I don't deserve it, but I trusted in Jesus and the righteousness of Christ was given to me. And you need to be reminded, remind yourselves of that. I get it. Today, you're not going to live a righteous life. You're probably going to blow it. I'm probably going to yell at my kids today. Okay? My wife definitely will because they're going to the river. To be with family, I've got a funeral to do. But like, we're, it's going like at some point we're both going to blow it today, okay? But what I need to cling to is that God continues to see me righteous even in the midst of my sin. And then the next thing Paul talks about is gospel readiness. If you've been changed by the gospel, you need to remain saturated in the gospel. You never outgrow the truths of the gospel. If the last time you thought about the fact that Christ died on the cross for your sins was when you trusted in him, you're missing the point. Uh, a pastor up in North Carolina says it this way. The, a lot of people treat the gospel like it's the diving board into the Christian life. right? The gospel is what gets you in. He says what people don't realize is the whole pool is the gospel. It's what we swim in daily. We need to saturate ourselves in the fact that Christ died for you and when we saturate ourselves in it, we won't have to make it a point to share it with somebody. Like it's going to come out as you're having conversations at work or at lunch or with your family or with your friends or your neighbors. Like it's going to flow out of you. The fourth thing Paul says is faith. And he actually says faith is like a shield that protects us from the attacks of the enemy. We have consistent, ongoing faith, believing in Jesus for everything. What Paul says here is that there is no foothold for the enemy. All of his fiery darts have no place to go. Think about it. Genesis 3. Let's go back to Genesis 3. Let's go back to 
day one, right, for Satan, his first work that we see, okay? If he, come, he comes up to Adam and Eve and he says, does God really, God doesn't really know, he doesn't really want what's best for you. Because what God knows is that if you actually eat from that fruit, you'll be better off. Now what if Eve had said, you crazy, get out of here, snake. God wants what's best for me. Or if, if, if Adam had stepped over and said, oh, no, nah, that ain't the God we serve, man. God wants what's best for us, and he knows what's best. It's the end. I guess we're hanging out in the garden still. I don't know what it looks like. But there was a sliver, a tiny bit of a lack of faith, a question of does God really know, want what's best for us, and it was enough to squeeze a dart in. It destroyed everything. For you, right? where are you lacking faith? Where are you not trusting in God? Because when you figure that out, I can point to that and say, guess where Satan's coming? If you're struggling and, and, and trusting God with your family, guess where he's going to attack? If you're struggling to, to, to find rest in, in, your, in your workplace and being content with where you are and just doing the best you can do, guess where he's going to attack? Your ambition. Make you do things you never thought you'd do. If you're struggling with faith in your marriage, faith that God's going to keep you together, God's going to continue to grow you as a couple together, guess where Satan's going to attack? He's going to have somebody walk by at work, sashaying by. Man or woman. Men sashay. <laughs> this, is what God, this is what Satan does, right? When you discover where you're lacking that faith, I can promise you that's where he's going to attack. That's the hole in your shield. Sorry for the sashay thing. <laughs> we did not do that in the first service. Y'all get y'all get the crazy heat sometimes. That's a good thing it's not on live stream. That's right. All right. Faith. Fifth thing. Salvation. This is a helmet of salvation. Listen, understanding that you are saved and resting in that, knowing that there is nothing in this world that our enemy, the ruler of the power of the air, can do to take your salvation away is of utmost importance when it comes to finding strength. Jesus said, speaking of those who were saved in, in John 10, 29, My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and can't nobody snatch them out of the Father's hand. My translation. That's where we find strength. If you're wrestling with that, I didn't say this in the first service, but... Um, Stop by Next Steps. We've got some awesome books out there. We call them the yellow books. Little tiny books, simple reads, 80 pages or something. Um, we would love for you to help uh, Miss Kathy or May or whoever's, I think Miss Kathy's going to be out there after the service. She'd love to give you that book just to help you wrestle and find strength that you are saved. Um, really, really cool book. So stop by Next Steps on your way out today and get that. And then there's the sixth one. Paul wraps up the armor by giving us a weapon. He calls it the sword of the Spirit, which he tells us is God's Word. God's Word must be committed to memory so that when the devil attacks, 
we can be ready not just to block his advances with our faith, but to fire back, baby. That's what we see Jesus do in Jesus' ministry. He's tempted in the wilderness after his baptism. With every slanderous attack, Jesus doesn't just block it and go, no, God's bigger than you. God's bigger than you. God's bigger than you. He actually fires Scripture back at Satan with the Word of God. He's, he's, he's firing Scripture back. We must, be, we must commit to, be, to, to memory its content so that when we find ourselves in difficult spots, it'll just it'll flow out. A day in the hospital. I remembered verses I ain't thought about in years. Because when we get in a spot where you need it, if you put it in there, it'll come out. When we take seriously our enemy, I believe we can find strength in God's strength. Now here's the difficult part of the message. If you're not a believer, if you've not yet trusted in Jesus, this armor is not yours. This armor is not yours. And the Bible actually said, Paul, Paul's addressing Christians and he's going one direction, but I believe the, the, the opposite of what Paul is saying we can also take to be true, and that is, if you've not trusted in Jesus, if you have trusted in Jesus and you've got, you can actually have this armor and you can be protected, if you've not yet trusted in Jesus, you cannot have this armor and you're a sitting duck. You're a boat in the middle of the ocean. All by yourself. You are free game for the devil and you cannot stand. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of the great love that he has for you, even while you were a sitting duck, Christ died for you. All the sin that separates you from God. The Bible says Jesus took that within himself. He had no sin, but he took our sin. So that when he died, the debt would be paid and that there would be nothing left between us and God. You can today have a relationship with the creator of all things because Jesus died for you. Today, we'd love to show you how you can be saved and how you can leave this place with the armor of God, the strength of God on you to stand against the, the, the schemes of the devil. But if you are a believer, um, this is what's always tough. I know how God spoke to me in this message. I don't ever know how God may use it for you. So I always feel like at the invitation, I'm just recapping my message. But I feel like that's what i got to do today. So I just want to walk back through and just remind you of what we've talked about. Because we're about to have a time of response. And I want you to wrestle with how is God using this message. Go back to the very beginning. Are you living your life as if you have no enemy? Like, are you just walking through life, like enjoying it, having fun? I don't know why I did the disco. This is tail spinning out of control, Matt. My dance moves. Like, are you living your life as if life's a party? You don't have an enemy? That's not good. The Bible says you do have an enemy. You need to recognize him or, or 
you will fall. If you're a believer today, you need to recognize, you need to go home today and recognize that you have a real enemy. But also, let me remind you, he is not your neighbor. Your enemy is not your neighbor. Your enemy is not your cousin, your grandma. The, 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 your enemy is not a Democrat or Republican. Your enemy is not like the state. He's not a politician. He's not a Muslim on the other side of the world. Hear me. Your enemy is a spiritual being who wants to make you fall. And man, if maybe you're wrestling with the wrong folks. Y'all, I feel like I've got about this much energy in me most days to fight. Okay? Amen? Anybody? Like I'm, I'm wore out sometimes. And if you spend that amount of energy fighting with the wrong people, guess what? It'll be good. That's why they say when you're drowning, right? Find a way to float. Because if you keep working and working, I think Matt, Matt could correct me. He's going to correct all this after the end. He's a CPR trained, whatever. Um, but like you've got, you've got to conserve your energy, right? And I think for me, I've only got this amount of energy. And I want to use it to fight the right enemy. I want to be careful in how I fight. And also, if you're a believer, are you putting these things on every day? Truth. Righteousness. Gospel readiness. Saturation. Faith. Confidence and salvation. And the memory of God's word. Are you putting those things on? The Bible says if you're not, beware. You got holes in your armor. I'm going to say a word of prayer. And I just want us all to wrestle with that. Um, we're going to stand and sing after I pray. Patrick, worship team, are going to lead us in a song. Um, this song is, if every week you come in and you listen to the sermon, and then you bow your head and you stand up and sing, and you don't ever think about how God's trying through this awful messenger to get you to wrestle with something. Can I just encourage you just to try it today? Just try it today. Sing if you want, but ask yourself in your heart, God, what, what has he said today that speaks directly to me? God, give me the strength to fix it. If you need to talk to us about accepting Jesus Christ, I'm going to be down front. I would love to talk with you about that. We'll have two decision counselors by the back door. The altar will be open for you to come and pray for yourself, for your family, for those around you. Whatever it is, whatever you need to wrestle with God on today, do it, and, uh, and let's leave here changed. Father, God, we thank you that, again, God, uh, you didn't leave us alone in this fight. Um, God, so many other God religions define their God um, as a distant God who, uh, who man is just called to try to attain to. God, you are the only God, the only one who's spoken of, God, who, who, who wants a relationship with us, that wants to defend us, who wants to shield us. And God, I'm thankful that we worship a personal God who wants what's best for us in the kingdom here. Father, I pray, God, that you would help us as a church. God, protect us from the evil one. 
This fight is not just something we're fighting by ourselves, but we're fighting together as a church family. God, I pray we don't lose that fight. I pray that the neighbors around us, God, that they know that we care, that we don't become self-centered as individuals and as a church. God, help us to fight the enemy with the tools you've given us, not on our own strength, with the tools you've given us in your strength, Father. God, help us today to wrestle with the things in our heart, the sins that we've been letting go on and not dealing with. God, bring them to our mind right now. And let us repent from those. Help us, God, to repent from those and begin to live different. God, do a work in our hearts as you did those in the first service. Help us, God, to follow you more closely. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's stand. You can respond however God leads, okay? short I've got nothing new how could I express all my gratitude I could sing these songs as I often do but every song must
So come on, my soul. Oh, don't you get shy on me and lift up your song. Cause you got a lion inside of those lungs. Get up and raise the Lord. So come on, my soul. Oh, don't you get shy on me and lift up your song. Cause you got a lion inside of those lungs. Get up and praise the Lord. So come on, my soul. Oh, don't you get shy on me and lift up your song. Cause you got a lion inside of those lungs. Get up and praise the Lord. So I throw up my hands. Praise you again and again. Cause all that I have is a hallelujah, hallelujah. And I know it's not much, but I'm nothing else fit for a king, except for a heart singing hallelujah. have a seat really quick. Just a few announcements. Hopefully you've got a bulletin. Uh, I will tell you the same thank you I told the first service. If you brought a dessert last week to our family fun night, I appreciate it. You brought a side. So, but a dessert, I appreciate it. We we loaded up extra desserts. You know how many complaints there were? None. Nobody complained about it. So anyway, thank you so much. I hope you got to come last week. Just a reminder, this week, uh, adults and kids are off again Wednesday night. But the youth are not. We'll meet here at 545. Uh, we're going to go help load the House of Harvest up at 545, and then we're going to go eat. Uh, so we'll text your parents on the way home. So that's 545 this Wednesday for youth. Adults and kids are off again. And then you can look at your bulletin August the 4th, which is the next Wednesday. We're going to have Taco Trivia. Uh, and then Point Mallard is out at the Next Steps uh, area. Uh, tickets for that are available. Uh, so please get involved and, and do what you want to do there. And then last but not least is giving. We still have multiple ways to give. Uh, you can click on events.lindsaylane.org. Uh, there's a tab there. There's a blue bucket, uh, still a text option, and then we can always put it in the mailbox, which is really neat. I run out there every morning. Okay, yep, yeah, that's it. Let's pray. Thanks so much for being here. Let's pray. Father God, thank you again for your word, uh, what we can learn from it. God, I pray we don't leave the same. God, I pray we do fight uh, and put effort into living for you, God. And so just be with us, uh, God, as we leave this place. You now pray. Amen.